Hey, this is Chris and Jan Woodruff, and you are listening to the Hindsight Podcast, where we sit down with people and we take a look back at what we can learn from a very specific season in their life. Hey, everybody. We are back from a very fun and full summer. We've taken a bit of a hiatus And as you can imagine, like the rest of you guys, we're just trying to get settled into a new school season and coordinate all of our calendars. We've got three kids now that are all in different sports, two in high school, one in junior high. We've got a driver, which is great this season. That helps a lot. And um, are just kind of figuring out and what we're doing and it's August so it still feels like really really hot and really really like it's still summer but it's very hot August is very hot here it's not cool at mm-hmm. all I think we actually hit a heat wave and so busy summer and uh, we've been transitioning with um, Rye our foster son and so many of you have been tracking along and have heard mm-hmm. us talk about fostering and those that you that know us personally have, have are a little bit more familiar with the situation but some of that has also kept us from getting to this podcast. We've had it recorded for a couple months, but we've just been transitioning. Rise back with his dad, and and so yeah, a lot has transpired. Lots happened. That's just kept us from from getting up to speed. So, thanks for your grace for those of you that are listening on a regular basis. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, and thanks for any of your prayers too, because yeah. you know it's been a two and a half year journey. We've spoken about him on a lot of different podcasts. And um, for any of those people who are familiar with fostering, it is a very windy road of unknown. And so this is super bittersweet. We adore him. And he is definitely a very big part of our family and always will be. Um, But there's a peace that comes from having an answer. But there's also the mourning that comes with having him leave our home. And um, the blessing is that we do have a relationship with his family Mm-hmm. And that is really, truly by the grace of God. All things fostering is the grace of God. Yeah. But we are just, you know, grieving and each day is a new day and just trying to figure out what's next for us. Uh, we definitely are going to be taking some time off to just heal mm-hmm. and to process and to just kind of breathe for a while because it's definitely been a fast moving train for two and a half years emotionally. Yep, it has. But we also have had this sitting here and know that we've been wanting it to get it out to you guys. So, again, thanks for patience while we've worked through all of our stuff to be able to get to this. So why don't we tell you a little bit about who we're sitting down with. Jan, why don't you introduce uh, John and Debbie? Yeah, we're excited. Um, We've known John and Debbie Woodall for probably, I want to say... 18 years, somewhere in that. They were the couple that came into our small group when we were just married for about six months. Mm -hmm. And some of you may remember that we talked about the whole dating schedule, like making sure that you have a a weekly date, a quarterly getaway, once a year. Well, those are the things that we derived from them, plus several other things. So we were really excited when we were thinking through couples that have a longstanding marriage and that also have just a lot of activity going on in their world right now. We just thought they would be an amazing couple for us to take time to unpack 40 plus years of marriage with. Yeah. So there's a ton of great stuff. These guys are super transparent. Um, They share the good and also a lot of just the challenges that they've been going through and experienced on the front half of marriage as well as on the back half when kids um, were supposed to move out. And uh, and not necessarily did or did and then came back and uh, they go, get into some of their story and uh, and some of the ups and downs. So really, really helpful. Uh, all the things that they share. I think you guys are going to really enjoy hearing from John and Debbie. Yeah, get ready. They've got some fun nuggets for sure. Yeah. So let's join in on the conversation. Tonight, we are hanging out with John and Debbie Woodall, who are very special guests for us. We have known these guys, gosh, I want to say 18 It's been at least years. the length of our marriage almost, because yeah. you guys came and visited yeah. our first married small That's group, right. mm-hmm. and we were literally, I think, what, six, six months, months into, into our into marriage? marriage? So we're almost, we're in 19 years, so we've probably known you 18 years. That's we got crazy. here right after uh, 9-11, mm-hmm. right. 2001, mm-hmm. yep. So I had the opportunity of working with John at North Point on his very first day. 
and um, they came from Virginia, and it was just a cool thing to be able to walk alongside of them. I got to know Debbie inadvertently through our relationship, so we couldn't think of a better couple to hang out with and talk about marriage with. So welcome, John and Debbie. Yeah, thank you. Excited. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, so we know a lot about you guys. There's folks that are listening that don't know as much about y'all. So can you give us like a high-level snapshot of you know, how long you've been married, how many kids you have, uh, just kind of what got you to where you are here today? Again, high level, because I know there's probably a whole lot that goes into that. <laughs> That's a loaded question. Yeah. You but start? just give us a little snapshot for folks. Okay. Uh, we are about to celebrate our 44th year of being married. June 21. Yes. Longest day of the year. Oh, exciting. <laughs> this Together, month. 45 years. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a wonderfully hard... No. <laughs> but you, wow. you prefaced it with wonderfully. <laughs> yeah, I did. You started I with that. I thought I was going to stop at wonderful. <laughs> no, it's, it's been great. We're still very much together, and we're excited to celebrate our 44th year. And uh, we have a lot of kids, so I'll let you talk about that. So we have uh, four children, three sons and a daughter, all about to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, birthday's coming up shortly. 42, 41, 40, and 38. Mm-hmm. Uh, three are married. And then we have 13 grandchildren. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. And it is just unbelievable to think that we are in our 60s and married this long with this many children, with this many grandchildren, but it's been amazing. And I've been at North Point for about 18 years, and before that, I've been a pastor in three different churches uh, for about 40 years. And Debbie's an artist and mm-hmm. a gifted artist, a very gifted yeah. artist. She has her own business, and for all of our married life, she's just done a amazing work of graphic arts and painting and. Yes, I enjoy that very much. She's it's painted um, Buckhead Church, Wombaland, and some of the children's environments, but that's a little bit. Yeah, we've seen yeah. a lot of your work just even around the church and through the church. It's mm. been it's yeah, really well, cool stuff. We were on a plane last night coming back from a marriage retreat in Florida, and the woman sitting next to Debbie started asking her different questions, just getting to know her on the plane, and it came out that Debbie had painted Wombaland at Buckhead Church, and a couple on the other side of the plane she yelled across the aisle, Guess what? This is the lady that painted Wombaland. Your kids love Wombaland. So it was a very fun... She's a, you're married to a rock star. I am. What's really fun is like today, because uh, we do have a lot of sweet grandchildren, and uh, one of our grandsons, Eden Joseph... Uh, he's about to turn They'll all 11. be 11, Le- yeah, yeah, the oldest. Hmm. Um, anyway, he loves to paint and everything, so it's oh, really fun. fun for me to set yeah. up things. And, and to see that yeah. passing down. Oh, love yeah. it. It's yeah. really fun. That's You're probably awesome. a really fun grandmother. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I just personally, uh, for, for us, we go back often to that time you visited with us in our first small group. Amazing. There's some stuff you shared with us that we share with so many couples, cool. um, specifically <laughs> about where you guys really challenged us, because this was before we had kids, around the whole idea of guarding and being really intentional with our time yeah. before we had kids. So mm-hmm. being, you know, having the, the quarterly getaways, yeah. the, the date, date nights, nights yep. the, vacations. the vacations, and and establishing those habits before we had kids so that when we had kids, we were in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And that's been something that, mm-hmm. one, we've been, I'd say, 90% pretty true to right. uh, when there's not something that, you know, is just, sure. you know, in the way, whether it's, you know, when... We had some financial stuff with just some job moves. We weren't able to do as many getaways per se, but but we still we found still were intentional ways right. mm-hmm. to do something. And that's something it's we talk cheap. about with so many couples now, and we reference back to. So and we highlighted mm-hmm. it when we kicked off marriage on mm-hmm. this podcast. So you guys um, were recognized then because we talked about one thing that was given to us that we feel like through the 19 years we've been together has been so instrumental. So that is one of those because yeah, well, now our yeah. kids get to see a healthier marriage. They get to see the benefit of us getting away because then we also prioritize them with date nights. Yeah. So they got to see when we dated them, when mom and dad dated, it was equally something they could handle. You yeah, know? I love that. 
but probably when you guys shared it, you didn't realize the exponential sharing probably that was going to happen. And it's been something that we've and shared Chris took consistently. It to heart. Literally, mm-hmm. CJ was 10 weeks old and we were off on an overnight. I was like, what? My baby. Yeah. He's like, no, no, John said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and we, it was amazing. And I have it was to worth say, it. it was cementing because... I did not, you know, when you think about well, getting away from an infant and how you're going to do it, but it was awesome because we needed to connect after having this yeah. life change. And she needed to sleep. I needed to yes. sleep. Yeah. We had yes. a great dinner. We went to like the school of massage or somewhere funny that was inexpensive and the baby had no idea we were gone. So yeah, it's that's exactly how it happened. We didn't, we were not introduced to that idea until our five year mark and in our mm. first five years of marriage. Uh, we had ours four were really children. yeah we had four children <laughs> yeah. in the first five years. Oh my goodness! So our, you children, did not waste time. our children were four, three, two, yeah, and newborn when we were introduced to the idea mm-hmm. of the quarterly getaways. And you talk about exhausted, I right? Mean, we were that's that's what we felt like, especially we with to three do. boys first. Yeah, with two boys. <laughs> boys and are so boys. Back back it came in between, but mm-hmm. still a lot of energy going on there. But it's Lots. been a, that's been a practice for the last uh, 40, 39, 40 years. And we would still put that at absolutely one of the top totally. uh, things. And, and this gets into a bigger value. And, and I know that we may get into to this in a few more minutes, but a, huge violation that I see with men is they think that if they're a good father, that it makes them a good husband. And they don't separate out the two roles of being a husband and a father. Mm -hmm. And a guy thinks, hey, you know, I'm I'm being good with our sons or our daughter, and yet the wife is being neglected. And so when men can separate out those two roles as husband and father yeah. and keep those things distinct, uh, and we're working through it now. I mean, we'll get there that I think our kids would say, hey, you guys have done a really nice job on your marriage, and yet we're catching up on some of the family factors. So sure. you don't you don't bat, bat a thousand percent on it. No, right. you, don't, you don't think you ever right. do. But that's good. That's, I think that's really, I haven't heard that yet, but I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see how that would play out. It's a very common thing. A guy thinks, hey, I'm out there, I'm providing, I'm giving you everything you want, I'm taking the boys, I'm at their baseball yeah. games, I'm supporting them in school, and then the marriage slowly mm-hmm. drifts because the wife, the spouse, has not been kept as the number one priority relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It drifts to a second or a third, and then they wake up, they get into that 20-year mark, that 25-year mark, and they go, where are we? Right. Who are we? So it's hard to rally. Those are important things to pay attention to. Yeah. Well, take us back to what your families that you grew up in. What was the marriage like? Yeah. That was, How was modeled, modeled for you? Because a lot of times we come into marriage from total different perspectives. So I'd be interested to see. Well, I gleaned something very good from my the marriage that I saw, even though it was a very hard situation. Uh, I've talked about this before, but that my father was very angry Mm -hmm. and my mother was silent. Um, I didn't know anything about introverts and extroverts then. And, um, I'm first born of three girls and, um, my mother plus us girls knew that my dad was like a powder keg. And so we really walked on eggshells mm-hmm. all the time. And my mother in particular, sometimes I felt like I was an orphan growing up. But the thing that I did take into my marriage that I really liked and I think has been helpful is that I saw my mother, um, she was probably overly submissive. Right, right. <laughs> But um, I did see a woman who was quiet and uh, did what her husband said, even though I knew even in later years she did it really by faith and Mm -hmm. out of respect um, as just being an individual. And Mm -hmm. so that's been really helpful for me. I, I, it's a very important value to me is to understand the roles that God gave us for husband and wife. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that, you know, being a woman is a bad thing, 
But I just believe that as no, I... No, I want to say being a woman is a very good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just want to say I, I vote for yeah. <laughs> woman. I think there's I, a lot I'm, of... I'm for woman. I think there's a lot of um, really bad information out there and mixtures of what it means to be a godly woman mm-hmm. and to be a submissive wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just believe it really pays off if you surrender that and to if, the And if I can add to that, uh, observing Debbie's family... Um, another way to say what she said is her mother figured out and walked out how to respect a disrespectful man. Wow. Yeah. And that's a that's huge true. idea yeah. because, yeah. you know, husbands are called to love their wives. Wives are called to respect their husbands. We both want love and respect, but it's really easy to walk out respecting your husband when he's respectable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. True. But what happens when you have a dishonorable man, right. a disrespectful man, and her father was, and yet we watched her mom. Yes. And, and I, mm-hmm. I think the key in that is, is you're separating personality from position. And it's mm-hmm. not so much that wow. the husband right. lords over the wife, but he has a different role, and her mother figured out how to respect him in the role of a husband versus his personality. And this is what I feel from Debbie. I feel when I uh, behave badly and I act and speak in ways that um, she doesn't appreciate, she has still figured out a way to influence. I still totally feel respected and I feel more respected by her even though you know I have lived disrespectfully uh, especially these last three years in a lot of pain we'll get to that mm-hmm. maybe later but that's one thing that I saw and then mm-hmm. and um, our family I, I had a, a very dominant father and a very loyal mother and my story was my my dad was my hero for many years, mm-hmm. uh, took us to London, England. I grew up in London for seven years, traveled the world uh, with my father in business and so forth. Uh, but then he became what I call a militant fundamentalist. And he was against everyone and he was against everything. Mm. And to watch my mom be faithful and loyal and things like that. So even in our marriage, I mean, we've we've looked at her parents, we've looked at my parents, and again, something that we may get to is every couple has to ask themselves, what are we going to keep from our marriage of what we saw, and what are we going to leave? Mm-hmm. Right. What are we going to so say? Good. The madness stops yeah. here. Right. So, That's so good. take a look at your first maybe five to ten years. How did that play out? Because it doesn't happen like you say I do, and you're like, hey, I kind of saw this in your mom, and I saw this in your dad, and we're good. Like, we're going to figure out. Like, there probably was a learning curve, right, in those first couple years of how to navigate what you were comfortable in. Even if it was not positive, you become comfortable, right? So how did that play out in your first five or ten years of marriage? You want to start, or you? <laughs> I, I know you're breaking out laughing. She's dying yeah. over there. She yeah, has so everybody much to wants share. to know. Well... When we got married, his parents meant well, <laughs> but I think we described it as an enmeshed family. But let me explain that just for a second. And, and, and people may already know this, so this is quick review. We but, wish we could have Debbie's face here to show yeah, you the animation right. that's going yeah, on. Video, that's right. but <laughs> that's why you, we're laughing. If you look at a spectrum, on one side of the spectrum, you have an enmeshed family, and then on the other side... You have a disenfranchised family. And a lot of people grow up, it's like, whatever, go do whatever you want. And then enmeshed, everybody is in everybody's business. Yeah. Okay. And this was our problem. Yes, and, 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 you know, one of, one of the <laughs> things that we're doing uh, now this season in our life, um, most of our Christianity, we started at the back of the book, you know, started reading in John chapter one. And yet, you know, we're recognizing there's a whole Bible before John chapter one, and we're back reading the law, the prophets, the entire Bible. And we're recognizing even embedded in the law, uh, it was told for couples in their first year of marriage, 
go off. Right. Mm-hmm. Go go establish yourself as a couple. Entity, yep. right. At right. least a year. At least yeah. a, a year. And we, in our first, we did not do that. So mm-hmm. that's part of what you're Well, getting. we got married in 1975. Yeah, in between and, our junior and senior And we year. were on our own in 1992. <laughs> 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 so, and we're still working through all that. But anyway, <laughs> um... Yeah, so there's a lot there. But comment on your first five years. I mean, for you, you were you had no idea what it meant to be a quote Christian woman, and yeah. you were trying to be a Stepford wife. And I y'all was had trying kids to, yeah. Within a couple of years, oh, yeah, we, we got married in '75, and our first one came in '77. <laughs> we did not know how to stop. Well, the it. good news, you had a healthy sex life, but yeah. however, you just forgot that that reproduced. I kept getting sick taking the pill. Stop taking the pill. Even with all the birth control that we understood how to use. That's I right, because you getting... said you got pregnant even on birth control. I know. I mean, See? our kids are 13, 15, and 22 months apart. We went the longest when we just said, forget it, you know? Uh-huh. But anyway, I thought for a while that I was going to be pregnant every year of my life, but um, <laughs> no, the first five years were good. It was a lot of new things, and um, it was new. We got our first house and all that, and the children. There was always a new child being born. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we were just trying to figure out life, and um, we lived next door to his older sister. His parents lived across the street, and his other sister lived yeah. another yeah. door down. You know, and, wow. and for some people, for some people, and, and as, our, as one of our sons says, man, this looks so good on paper. Right, and right. And what looked good on paper is, and she's not exaggerating, my parents lived across the street. Uh, we lived next door to my older sister and two houses down from my younger sister. Now, if you interviewed the 11 cousins that grew up... Yeah, they, have, they loved it. They yeah. loved it. They, yeah. they loved it. Absolutely. It was, they, yeah. called, they, called, they felt like the lost boys of Never yeah. Neverland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we lived in Orlando near Spring Lake. They rode their bikes. They went fishing. They played football. To the cousins, it was this beautiful thing. But, but the dynamics within my family... And I, I won't go in... I'm, I'm sure my mother and my sisters may be listening, but... It was just uh, it was just challenging, you know. We had well, you didn't get to establish you. We didn't get you to establish had John us. and Debbie through the filter of how do we well. And, and I I am probably one of the milder ones of our family, so that wow. gives you an idea. <laughs> right, that gives you an and idea. Let's be, and let's be honest, right? With everybody's family, there is good that that families. There's some really good about yeah. family, but there's also dysfunction that comes in every family. Every that's, family. That's, so that's not even to say that your family's unique. Every one of our families. Oh gosh, yeah. There's the really good that we love, and but there's also the, the just the hard and the dysfunction that comes with being family too. Right. And I would say, you know, again, they really meant well, and um, but I'm also a firstborn, and I live next door to his firstborn, <laughs> and um, and it was. I think the factors were I wanted privacy. I wanted, I'm more independent mm-hmm. and John's middle child. And so he, he enjoyed all the groupy stuff, whereas I did not. And so, but I'm grateful that the children really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And the cousins all, you know, they really like to, to be close. And I think it, it's not like Oh, never do this. For some families, it works out great. Linda and Jim, they live down in Orlando, and they've created this wonderful homeschool organization. I wish it was around when we were doing it, but um, (laughs) they made a great thing, and all their kids live close. Um, So it was just for us, it was a little challenging. Sure. I get that. Mm -hmm. I get that. So for you guys then, relationally, when you think about the first, and what what I'm going to talk about, or we're going to talk about, is kind of the first half, and the first half really being like the first 21, 22, so while the kids were in the house, and then we'll talk about maybe this next episode, the second half of when, okay, uh, all the kids are out, and, and now it's just you two in the home. But when you guys were in the home with the kids, relationally, not so much, and maybe parenting factors into it, but... For you guys in your marriage, relationally, what was one of the toughest things that you guys had to navigate and work through in your relationship, and how did you work through that? So I'll start, and, and 
this one's pretty clear to me because I think people in their 20s, when they're coming out, particularly in this day and age, we are so damaged as human beings. Um, We don't find a lot of healthy people. Finding a healthy, self-assured, confident person who knows who he is, Mm -hmm. who she is, is the rare person today. It's not the norm. And so when we started out, one of the things is I, I did not realize how broken I was from my first two decades. You know, when I uh, minister to men, I talk about the seasons of a man's life, the foundational years, the 20s are preparation, 30s are initiation, 40s and 50s are domination, 60s and 70s are consolidation. The foundational years are the things that, that drive you. So when we got into our 20s, I did not realize how broken I was. I was not uh, an affirmed, an approved, an accepted, a validated young male. So I went after it. Mm-hmm. And I went out into the world looking for it. And when I went out looking for it, I left my wife and four kids. And I was leaving early in the morning. And I was coming home late at night looking for love in all the wrong places. And in that early years, when we lived down in Orlando, we lived on this block. And Debbie and I would walk around the block. And she would say, I need you to enter my world. Mm. And so one of the, you know, I, I love, Debbie is absolutely one of the strongest human beings I know. One of the strongest Humans, not just females, but mm-hmm. she is very, very strong in her personality. But she knows how to surrender and submit her strength to God. She knows how to manage it within our marriage. And so she would say, I need you to enter our world. And, you know, it was like, yes, ma'am. And we would walk around the block. And so in the early years, she was really fighting for us hmm. when I'm out there trying to get all the accolades of the world. Hmm. Well, thank you, darling. Yeah, you're um, <laughs> Well, I love that. Um, I love that those years, though, there's much that I would like to redo. I say we were children raising children. Yeah. yeah. Here we are. Uh, we really were. Even though we met in Bible college, we knew nothing, you know. And, um, and then, as I said, we live n- near very opinionated, strong family members. Not that I have any opinion, no. But, um, <laughs> and, and then we had the first of the 11 grandchildren, and then they were all six months apart, and it seemed like nobody walked until that baby walked. And we thought, oh, no, what's going to happen when nobody has a baby? Nobody's going to walk or whatever. But we had, we had a lot of good times, and it helped us grow Mm-hmm. Because I saw that John was struggling with things, and but yet he he did his best to to be present and to work through it. He had a lot to work through with his dad and his mom, and uh, we had great fun family nights together. You know, we did crazy things with the kids because that was before you know iPads and all that stuff. So we had to make up our fun. Like we would stand in front of a mirror and make funny faces in it and record it, you Mm -hmm. know, and we, we did a lot of things like that. And, uh, it was good. We had to fight for everything that we have done in our marriage because Mm -hmm. we had to learn it from ground zero. Hmm. Yeah. So you're still standing. So that's good. Uh, We are. We are. So something's working. Something's working. Well, in the earliest years, I think the biggest thing we had to work through was that John is very relational, whereas I'm more Mm task-oriented. And that was one of the biggest clashes And that was very... Our very first personality assessment was at our 10-year mark. And that's when we... Back then, it was called the DISC. Yeah. The yeah. DISC. We did that for premarital. Mm-hmm. Right. And now, you know, the real popular one, the colors, which mm-hmm. is I said this, you heard that. Mm-hmm. You know, red is cleric, yellow is sanguine, uh, green is probably phlegmatic, right. yep. and the other is melancholy. Yep. Yeah. Something like that. But that that was very helpful to mm-hmm. us. Um, 
And then from that 10-year mark, uh, our next one, and we'll get into this maybe next episode, is our next one was actually 15 years later at Mm a 25-year mark is when we were introduced to Myers-Briggs. And we got down here, Mm -hmm. we did Right Path, we did Strength Finders, five love languages, seven (laughs) languages. I mean, and here's the reason. We became assessment junkies for a season of our life. It's because we really didn't, we thought we knew each other, but we felt like we needed to know ourselves and one another better. And we, we don't swear by them. I mean... Uh, we don't take as many now, but they were extremely They're helpful. helpful. Yeah. Well, I think oftentimes you can recognize where you're different, but some of the verbiage that comes from some of those assessments are so helpful yes. to bridge where you're missing. That's exactly right. Absolutely. The language that yeah. we got. You know, yeah. you can say you're opinionated or you're strong or this, but those are usually the, um, not negative, but they can be taken negative in a relationship if you're depleted. So to find out like, hey, that's a really great strength that you're a super leader, but I sometimes feel like you run me over. And so learning how that verbiage can help find the attribute and build it up, but also, hey, let's be sensitive because this is also what it can do. That's exactly right. It Mm -hmm. it gave us language Mm -hmm. to better understand one another. Yeah. That's big. If you guys, so um, let's say there's a, a couple that's listening they're 12 years into marriage. They've got kids that are nine, seven, and five, mm-hmm. right? They're just, they're right in the thick of this. You guys were there. And um, what is one thing that you would say to encourage them or challenge them in the, in the year they're at, right? In that 12 year. And so maybe they're struggling a little bit. And maybe as a husband, as a wife, or maybe even as a couple, What's something for you guys looking back that you would share based on your experience and and going through that season that could help them to continue to push forward to get to the 44? Well, I know what I would say, and it's it's still true today. I don't want to be roommates. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, whatever it takes not to be a roommate, even if I offend him, because I want things to be different and we need to talk about things that you may not like that I want to talk about it, but we need to figure out why you don't want to talk about it. And I need to figure out, you know, am I, am I off base here? Mm-hmm. I, we, want, we want to be one. It doesn't mean the same, but it is important to feel like we are one and we are growing together. Never stop growing, never stop being intentional. Every season... Um, has its good and hard parts to it. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that's been a focus. And then the other thing that we talk about a lot is being safe for one another Mm -hmm. because neither one of us feel like we came out of a safe upbringing. Mm -hmm. And so being safe means being able to talk about the easy things and the hard things. That's really good. Chris, in your question, um, I I think the, the weight of your question is, not so much what they would do differently as parents, right? But as a couple. Yeah, as right. a couple. I mean, right. you're trying to keep yeah, and this. You're in that marriage in that relationship. Yeah. Because yeah. oftentimes the kids rule the relationship. Correct. I know. Whereas even though the kids are awesome, but there's a lot of extra energy and tension that can sure. pull away from the couple yes. time, uh-huh. Yeah, that's what we're focusing right. on. It's and like, how do you forge ahead? How do you continue to cement the marriage? Well, it gets back, and I don't know if you got this on the recording or if this is, was before, but um, some of it is going to come down to a values exercise. Hmm. You know, Talk about that. Okay, most companies are out there, and I, mm-hmm. I had a values-defining moment uh, <laughs> probably three or four years after I came to North Point. I was sitting in a staff meeting, relatively new staff member, and Andy Stanley was going over the seven values of North Point mm-hmm. Community Church. North Point Ministries. And so the values of our company, of our organization, were right in front of me. And I had a defining moment in that staff meeting. I don't remember a word that Andy Stanley said about our church's values, Mm -hmm. because what ignited in me is I have 
five categories. I call them the big five when I talk to men in seven. And there are five categories in a man's life or a woman's life. It's my life, my marriage, my family, my work, and my church. Hmm. Those, are, those are five general roles as a man, a husband, a father, a businessman, a churchman. Same thing. A woman, a wife, a mother, a businesswoman, mm-hmm. or a church lady. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have those roles. And most people, they have their values in their church. Or they have their values in their organization, and yet they have not taken the time to say, wait a minute, what are the values for my life? What are the values for... And so one of the things that I value and what I would say to couples in that 10 or 12 year mark is have you made a decision that your wife is the number one most valuable treasure on this earth? Hmm. If not, why not? And once you make that decision, priorities begin to get established. And what can happen is when a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, soccer matches, lacrosse matches, ballet, singing lessons, all of these things come in. It's just like Debbie said, what happens is couples become business partners. They become roommates. And we read a book uh, years ago called Romantic Lovers. Mm And it gave us the language, it gave us the phrase that for the rest of our lives, we want to be romantic lovers. So it it created a value for us Mm -hmm. that even all of this life, all of these demands, all of this is going to creep in, but it's not going to be more valuable than us being and staying uh, romantic lovers. That's awesome. Uh, we have a lot more to say about this. Um, and, and again, it might be on the second part where um, one of our sons recently talk, taught us this idea, let's talk about talking. Hmm. And, and we have created categories. There's different type of talkers mm-hmm. and there's different type of categories. But one of the categories that Debbie has created for us is what she calls scrumptious conversation. (laughs) But even under scrumptious conversation, we have three categories, logistical, Mm -hmm. uh, interest, and contentious, that you actually can have a scrumptious, contentious (laughs) conversation. So we're going to have to definitely dig in a little bit. I think there's a book. You need to write a book. (laughs) Sounds good. Well, we got, I mean. That's interesting. Yeah, we learned so much about that. But, But the reason that I'm introducing this idea is in the in the realm of business partners or roommates, it's so easy to say, well, where are you going to be? Well, I'll be here at six. I'll come from the office. All right, mm-hmm. you pick them up. Okay, you drop them off. This is all logistical conversation. Right? right. And the space to have a scrumptious conversation about the things that, that matter to us, um, we, we need to make time and space. Hmm. That's awesome. I love that. So give us... Yeah, go ahead. Go. Well, actually, everybody wins in that because what's going to be valuable to each of us, uh, like his job is going to be valuable to him, the kids are going to be valuable to me, and it's not that it's that clear cut, but when I know what's valuable to him and I want to be close, then I want to know what's going on at work and what's in his, Mm -hmm. and the same thing with him with the children, if there's certain things, especially when the kids were little, right? you know, and wanting to say, if he knows, you know, how they're feeling and things that I can know as the mom, uh, it, it brings us together too with the rest of our world. That's why we talked a lot about learning how to enter each other's world enough to where you feel like, yeah, we have separate things that we're mm-hmm. doing, but we're at least at some level doing it together. And one other, Debbie, whether you know it or not, um, is writing a book. And every day, I mean it, every day she wakes up and when she's getting ready, she'll be in the bathroom and she, she's a deep thinker. And she'll say, you know, the title of my book today is, <laughs> and I have captured every one of those, All those titles. Nine, I have 94. Wow. I love it. Yeah. That's great. And so let me tell you what one of her chapters is. Debbie wants to be Connected enough to be in different places. Explain that. Okay, so like when couples, when they're at odds and you go off to work and Jan's mad, you've had some argument, you've had 
some disagreement. Now you've been disconnected and you're in different places and you're driving to work and you're thinking, man, why do we get into that? Or you're now back at the house and mm-hmm. you're feeling disconnected from your spouse right. and, and you're disconnected in different places. But we think it's possible to be so connected that, that we're connected spiritually, emotionally, physically. We are so connected to be in different places, almost to the point like, go, go. <laughs> Please, <laughs> give me some space. <laughs> But, but here's the thing is, is we're close, even though there's we're, a, there's still a connection, there's still a connection. And mm-hmm. so, um, well, it happens when life is so fast and we right. hardly talk yeah. and, and I don't like just headlines and I don't like half sentences mm-hmm. and John tends to talk in bullets and, um, <laughs> so and it's like, <laughs> I, I want to know what's under the bullet or, yeah. you know, I had some things going on and they might be random or not all that significant, but I want to be able to have some kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. And then that allows us, I feel like it's easier to go to our different places. That's great. Well, I, I think that. it goes even back to like the love languages when your tank is full. Yeah. Right. Even if you have a disagreement or you have sure. anything, you still feel relationally connected. Yeah. Yes. So I think that's the same. Yeah. But when your that's tank's empty yeah. and you're separated, exactly, you are just forming a war in your head against yeah. that person. There is no bridge. Mm. Right. That's neat. That's great. Hey, last thing before we um, wrap up this episode. I'm thinking about those first 20, mm-hmm. 21 years, uh, 22 years uh, while the kids are in the house. Looking back in this season mm-hmm. that you're in with the whole hindsight, again, being 2020, anything you guys together look back in your marriage and your relationship and, and say, I wish we did more of this or I wish we would have done less of this? In our marriage or with our children? Yeah, in your relationship, in, in your, your marriage. marriage. Yeah, so I, I have... A bunch of things, but a big one that comes to my mind is um, I really wish that I had the courage to look at my junk and see a counselor before I was 43 years old. Wow. Uh, something was wrong. I was fighting depression, hmm. and I would say to Debbie, wow. I, uh, I feel discouraged. And she says, I think you're depressed. <laughs> I and said I, it nicely. I, yeah, yeah. I said, I don't get depressed. I'm discouraged. Yeah. She goes, okay. Sounds I think like, you're depressed. Sounds like a, an answer that a yellow would give. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we, I hit the wall at 43 mm-hmm. And uh, we took a counselor to lunch one day, and like a very brave man, I said, um, Denise, the agenda's real simple here. Can you fix my wife, (laughs) and can you fix me? And that was at 43 years of age. And I wish that I had started the journey of what's called soul excavation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish I had started that five or ten years earlier to find out what is it that is causing me to power up here? Yeah. What is it that's causing me to control everything and everyone around me? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just thinking, well, that's just me. Right. Yeah. That's my personality. And um, if you're bumping up against one another like this in your 30s in this season, I think midlife is 35 to 45 range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would strongly encourage somebody to look in the mirror right. and have enough courage and curiosity and humility to say, what is the common denominator in this? Mm-hmm. It's me. Right. Yeah. And I need to find out how to get well. That's one thing. That's so great. Thank um, you for sharing that. Yeah. I think yeah. that's um, I think there's. There's men and and there's there's women um, mm-hmm. as well. It's not just independent uh, for men, but they need to hear that. They need to be challenged to, to get it because there's this negative sometimes connotation with counseling. Like, yeah, kind of counseling. What's that? Does that does that mean I'm you know broken? And when we all are. Yeah, I mean we're all one broken. of the greatest detriments to any relationship, first half or second half. It's it. I think it's one of the greatest sins in the universe, and it's pride. Mm-hmm. Right. 
uh, God resists the proud, and so do people. Hmm. And so when a man or a woman is proud and they will not look in a mirror, there's resistance. Mm -hmm. But he says, but he gives grace to the humble. Hmm. And every time we humble ourselves before God, we humble ourselves before one another. Grace fills the room. It fills the relationship. And it's grace is the ability to get through whatever challenge we're facing. You know, Mm -hmm. in Hebrews chapter two, it says that Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted death for every man. Mm -hmm. Christ was able to taste death by the grace of God. By the grace of God, we can we can taste and get through anything as a couple as we're turning to him. I think just um, being intentional to just work really hard at life. Right. You know, growing up as a human being, growing up in your marriage, I believe that being a strong individual makes a strong marriage. And um, together, and, and that's what <clears throat> I love about John's initiation and his humility in between his powering up. Yeah. His <laughs> <laughs> help keep us going. <laughs> um, but I think the more major thing that I wish that I could repeat is having the wherewithal to know how to um, pay more attention to our kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's just um, just a lot of life and work stuff mm-hmm. kept the attention. And then, and then I think the things that we were struggling from our own upbringing, trying to go through those things, it stole time that we should have given to our kids. We didn't know it at the time. Sure. Um, but, oh, we know it now. Yeah. But I think that's really great insight. So we're hopeful that people who are at every stage of their marriage are listening, right? And so that's mm-hmm. the whole point that we yeah. do this is like, okay, if you're starting out in a marriage now and you're in your 20s or 30s, look in the mirror, right? Yeah. Take a look at what you're coming into the relationship with. Don't lose time thinking you can handle it or you're just going to get to it at some point because really it is the health of yourself as an individual that's going to breed into your marriage and then into ultimately your kids. Um, I think that's great. I mean, I can speak to myself is that I was definitely like, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can do it. I got it. I got it. And, um, and that's this verbiage that I've shared with Chris a lot and that can be an attribute, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. Um, but it can also inhibit me from really uncovering things that are, why do I need to handle it? Right. right and right. so that can become a rub. And so I only share that for myself is that I've recently seen areas where I've like, okay, God, why do I need to handle it? I don't. And, and that helps soften me, like you said, and to go mm-hmm. before the Lord to say, hey, show me why I'm like this and show me how I can be a better version of myself when I give this up and give you more control over it instead of me thinking I have to... Well, one of the hardest things, and and again, we may unpack this more in in the next time, but um, I don't think people really realize how selfish we are Mm -hmm. as human beings and um, how deep our selfishness runs and how much marriage is being used to be that instrument to kill and destroy the self-centeredness in us. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've been navigating this within the last year. And um, so if you said, well, what would you, what would you pay attention to in the first half is like, um, man, get around a person or two that really loves you enough to say, dude, you're the most selfish man I know, or you are a really selfish woman. And listen to them. Yeah. And recognize that God may have given your spouse to you for the very purpose of killing that self-centeredness in us. Right. And it's an ugly thing to realize, but, but once that starts getting stripped away, and I think growth in the, quote, Christian life in our journey is moving from this selfishness to selflessness, yeah. uh, you know, from self-centeredness to other centeredness. And that does not come naturally. No. I just recently heard something that was a great light bulb that went off for me is about the marriage. And you've oftentimes heard it that it's like sandpaper, right? When you get into a marriage, 
you know, roughing down the edges. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so initially I think that feels uncomfortable, right? When you mm-hmm. hear that analogy, but it was great because the person who was talking about it was like that you've been gifted a person, like you were saying, that's going to help kind of rub down a rough edge. So what, what does something look like after you sand it? It's like really smooth. It shows the natural grain. It's actually more pretty. And so I thought about that because we oftentimes think about um, just going the distance, right? And marriage is hard and you have to stay it in and stay in. And it's so much easier to kind of think, oh, I could jump out or do this. But when you think about that and the beauty that comes from being refined, especially from someone who you grow to trust and you learn a lot with, the ultimate goal is that you really are a better version of yourself. No doubt about it. If you allow the process. If you receive right? them. And so in our world, oftentimes people want the quick fix. Mm-hmm. They just want easy. Well, relationships aren't easy. And the long, what we're learning, at least from couples like y'all, is that the longer you stick it out and the longer you can take some of that refining, at the end of it is this a person who knows you intimately. And hopefully you're a better self, a better uh, version of yourself. Yeah, I'm a lot better now. <laughs> Well, guys, this um, this has been so awesome and very yeah, rich. This is this first episode's been phenomenal. Um, so much good stuff, and I thought we knew you guys really well. <laughs> and there's so much more that you guys shared. Um, so thank you. Um, we're gonna wrap this one, and then we're gonna come back and join you guys for a second one. In that one, we're gonna get into a little bit more of kids are now out of the house. Now it's just the two of you. What's that relationship? look like so we'll hit that one yeah, on the next one thank you i just love how diverse each of the couples that we have had the opportunity to sit with are they are just so transparent i love love that they're i feel kinship to them sort of because both you and i are similar we yeah. both have passionate personalities we're both independent but the reality is you have to be so intentional and they're very intentional, mm-hmm. whether, and I love how they're intentional about their spiritual walk in their marriage, as well as just um, continually to learn how they can best love each other. Yep, and you're going to hear a lot more of that in the next episode. They really start to dig in to this second half, if you will, for them, uh, and get really transparent with mm-hmm. the things they've struggled with um, since their kids, uh, you know, graduated, moved on to college, and and then into their own lives and. And how many have, have boomeranged back for reasons that they would have never wanted or hoped for, hoped for yeah. um, and planned for. And they just are really transparent about what's going on in their world. So you guys are going to enjoy the second second round. Uh, but before you guys push play on the next one and move on to the next one, don't forget. We need to hear from you. If you like this, if you are enjoying the conversations that we're having, will you please just go out and rate us? And leave a review. Tell us what's one of your favorite podcasts, what you're loving hearing. Do that either on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. That would be a huge help for us. Yeah, that helps others find us as well. So please be sure to go out and do that. Uh, We really appreciate that. And I think it helps others also just understand what they're going to get out of it. So thanks for doing that. And uh, just grateful for you guys listening. We're learning. Glad you guys are too. Some of you guys keep coming up to us and tell us and just floors us when you say, hey, we listen to this <laughs> podcast or that one. We just love that someone else is learning alongside us because um, we're learning tons. So thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one with John and Debbie. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.